And a very good morning to you. I'm Bruce Claggett in for Mike Smith. Yes, we're still talking about Doug McCallum in Surrey. You see, Brenda Locke may have been elected as the new mayor of Surrey, but Doug McCallum is not leaving quietly. Yeah, he continues to make some headlines. And joining us to talk about a couple of these headlines and what happens now and after November 7th when the change officially occurs is Jack Hundall, a councillor who did not run for re-election. Good morning to you, Jack. Good morning, Bruce. Got to ask you, first of all, where are you living these days? I am actually in the beautiful Okanagan in Penticton. And um, this was right a change you decided, you love Surrey, but you decided to move up to the Okanagan. Yeah, I had a great opportunity to continue on in, uh, in, in my field of work, doing uh, energy theft investigation. So, uh, um, yeah, so my family moved up about a year and a half ago, and I remained in Surrey, finished up my term, and now I'm up here. Now let's talk about uh, what's going to be happening come November 7th or possibly earlier, because there are a couple of headlines, and this still must be of interest to you. Uh, Doug McCallum um, definitely uh, making the headlines at first, and we'll put in the update here. But he returned a city-owned vehicle that he was uh, given to use with extreme damage on the front end. And now the update is the RCMP say nothing criminal here. But this is still a bit of a shock. And you went on Twitter to express uh, nothing short of outrage over this, didn't you? Absolutely. On Sunday morning, I was just in the city hall uh, clearing out uh, some stuff. And uh, um, to my surprise, he was there, but his vehicle wasn't there. And shortly after, I received a message from... uh, from the security staff, they're saying, look, this is how the vehicle was returned. And uh, at the time, the city did um, themselves um, contact the RCMP because they had, I think, any idea, uh, no idea what had happened. And uh, my understanding is the RCMP did an investigation. Uh, and uh, obviously, there's nothing criminal, but I think the issue may have been around uh, who's going to report it and where this damage happened from. So um, I'm happy that there was no... Um, no, actually, no No one got hurt in this, which was my primary concern because the level of damage to that vehicle is just outrageous. Now, usually when it's ICBC covering a private claim for something like that, if it's over a certain amount of uh, damage, dollar damage, you have to report it. Um, that probably doesn't apply in this case, does it? Well, if you're involved in any accident in the, in the province, you do have an obligation to report it, but the amount of damage there is pretty significant. You're talking something well into the thousands. I mean, that's not the first time he's crashed up that vehicle. I've seen it uh, be involved in accidents before in the front and back bumper from two previous accidents over his four-year term. But I've always really questioned uh, the ethics of, of assigning an elected official a vehicle to drive around at taxpayer expense. <laughs> It's interesting, that one. And uh, would you suggest that maybe for the next council coming in, that this is something that uh, is not repeated? When I say that, I mean uh, letting a uh, a mayor have a vehicle to use at taxpayer expense. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I've talked to uh, you know, Mary-elect Locke about this as well. And we've had this conversation going years back, even when we first learned of it. Um, she's not in support or favor of it. And the city does need to um, update its policy, if there even is a policy. And that was the other challenge, too. I was never been able to locate a clear policy of how this vehicle was obtained and given to the mayor. We're talking with uh, City Councillor, <laughs> outgoing Councillor, as of November 7th, uh, Jack Hundell, about uh, 
Doug McCallum's departure and about the changeover to a new council and uh, Brenda Locke. Uh, Jack, one of the things that also uh, caught many of us by surprise was uh, the outgoing mayor uh, making a concession speech on Saturday night. Actually, he made a concession speech uh, after going back and forth a couple times mm-hmm. with the election uh, vote coming in. But he gave, ultimately, a concession speech. Well, come uh, Monday morning, there was, uh, I guess, a, another look, a second sober thought, and uh, he's decided to go for a recount. Well, what's your take on that? <laughs> it's, um, I don't know, I, like everyone else, I was a little flabbergasted with it. Like, it's time to move on and move forward with the city. But, um, you know, you're talking about a spread of just less than 1,000 votes. Um, <clears throat> I mean, this is electronic balloting. Uh, so the machines are calibrated uh, within the tolerance, um, and I don't think it's spread of a thousand. Uh, but if this does go ahead, uh, I would really, really like uh, the reviewing um, party to look at the legality of those affidavits that were sworn of people saying they were Surrey residents. Because throughout the campaign, uh, we did hear uh, from people or rumors that, hey, I went to vote, someone already had voted for me. So I truly hope uh, the election officer looks at that as well. If there is going to review, I think that's a key area to also look at. When it comes to uh, November 7th, if all goes ahead as we expect it will, and Brenda Locke is uh, the new mayor, what is your advice for her and for the council coming in based on everything that you saw over the past four years? I, I think it's a great opportunity for everyone at council because you have a mix of people that have um, that were uh, councillors previously, new people that have been onboarded, <clears throat> of actually making the best decisions for the city of Surrey when you're sitting in those seats. Um, what's in the overall best interest for the city, for the taxpayers, for the community, for the region even? And I really hope they all they all take their oaths um, extremely seriously. Uh, and I do hope that uh, every action that they make. Uh, uh, is very transparent, and they're able to explain their decision process for something that maybe becomes important that is contentious. Uh, that was something that was really lacking last time. I want to ask you one question in all honesty, yeah. and uh, I'm asking this to you because there is such a differing of opinion, and you are someone that does have a uh, thorough knowledge of the question, and you probably know where this is going. But the question is this. Will the RCMP be the force that continues on in Surrey going forward in the next two to four years? Uh, they will be, and, and, I'll, and I'll tell you why. Because they currently are. They are the police are force of jurisdiction right now. The plan that was sent in to Minister Farnworth um, through Wally Opal was 189 pages, and really none of those benchmarks have been met uh, yet by the, the police board. Uh, by Chief Lipinski and SPS. And it's not a fault of so much of theirs as well. I think this was very rushed without doing a very thorough understanding or having a thorough understanding. I've always said from the beginning, the biggest issue for this is going to be HR and cost. And those are certainly revealing themselves to be uh, factors here in the end as this gets uh, sort of put away. But, uh, you know, one thing I do want to say to all those members on the RCMP NSP side, at the end of the day, they took an oath um, to um, to serve the citizens of Surrey. And I hope uh, everyone is mindful of that moving forward. Well, Jack, thank you so much for your time and uh, all the best to you in the years after and uh, for the future <laughs> endeavours in the Okanagan. 
Thank you very much, Bruce, and have yourself a wonderful day. This is Bruce Claggett in for Mike Smith today. You know, it's uh, no surprise to any of us who go out and buy groceries. The price has gone way up this year. In fact, I would say that uh, much of the increase has uh, has gone unrecorded when it comes to the actual numbers. Because even when I hear things like 10%, I'm thinking, well, I know a lot of uh, groceries. I talk about limes being a buck a piece where they used to be about, uh, you know, three for a dollar just a couple years ago. Uh, so it is a real struggle. Well, this country's largest grocer is freezing the prices on all its no-name brands, at least until next year. This comes as double-digit food inflation sends the bills spiraling. Loblaws said yesterday it has locked in prices of the popular house brand which includes more than 1,500 grocery items. Those are locked in until January 31st. A letter came out from Galen Weston, who many of us know from the TV commercials. He's also the chairman and president of Loblaw. He said the price of an average basket of groceries is up about 10% this year. This is where I question the 10%. I think it's way more than that and continuing to go up. But he says some items like apples, soup, and chips across the country have gone up even more. So that is a reality. Whether freezing the prices and we get to this word of lock in the prices, well, that has had some mixed reaction, especially when we talk about freezing prices at a new high level. But I don't know. Do prices ever go down? Well, to talk about this and more when it comes to inflation and food prices and the move by Loblaws is Jim Stanford. He's an economist with the Center for Future Work. Jim, thanks so much for being with us. My pleasure, Bruce. Thanks for having me. Jim, what do you make of this move by Loblaws locking in the prices? Uh, That's kind of like uh, their belief for telling us that they think they're going to continue to go up. Well, I think that uh, someone in the uh, public relations department at Loblaws thought this would be a very clever idea. You know, the grocery stores are in the in the spotlight right now. In fact, the the House of Commons just yesterday voted to have an inquiry into how much profits they're making with the higher prices. Uh, and so, okay, well, let's freeze the prices on on our no name brands. A uh, few problems here. The first one is, as you indicated, frozen at what level? So how much have the prices gone up before they're freezing? Secondly, uh, they've frozen them through till February. Now, the, the pattern in grocery uh, store uh, selling is, in, in fact, prices tend to decline after the Christmas rush. So, you know, that is an interesting choice of uh, time frame. Then you've had this uh, very f- funny situation where they're one of their main competitors, the Metro chain, has come out and said, we'll do the same thing, and also argued that this is kind of a standard seasonal practice. But the fact that Metro came out and said, we'll do the same thing, in a way reinforces all of our suspicions that these the three big chains that control the, the grocery supermarkets in, in Canada, so that's Loblaws, Sobeys, and Metro, they really have a cozy little club going, and they, they get to set prices kind of in conjunction with each other. So in a way, this symbolic act is actually raising some tough questions for how the grocery industry works. Yeah, Jim, uh, putting on a PR hat here, I don't mm. know how strategic this was, uh, even when it comes to some of the wording when, uh, as we talk about locking in. Um, they're not saying cap. 
Uh, cap might be a more interesting right. word if we're talking about the the fact that some prices can go down. But uh, do we ever see that? I know we do see it uh, in terms of things like produce, but uh, canned goods. Uh, do you see fluctuation like that uh, to the downside ever? Is that something we might have wanted to see? Uh, sometimes it happens, uh, for sure. And when we look back at the actual causes of the current spike in inflation that we've experienced over the last year, Bruce, um, some of those factors are actually dissipating. So uh, international agricultural commodity prices have come down a lot in the last three months. Shipping costs, which were a big part of the initial price surge, have really come down in the last uh, three months. Uh, even energy prices have come down a bit in the last three months. So some of those things eventually would trickle through into uh, lower prices, uh, or at least a moderation of the of the inflation. Uh, that's for sure. So it can it can happen, and I, I do think that the the choice of the time frame that they've picked here, and the choice of the particular products, you know, the no name products is. Uh, you know, uh, some people really like them, but in the grand scheme of things, they're a small part of the overall grocery bill uh, of of consumers. There's no doubt about it. So I think it was uh, it was aimed at trying to get maximum PR value out of this. Uh, what I think is is really quite a modest act. Well, I don't think the uh, no-name brands uh, cover things like your fresh produce, and they certainly uh, don't cover some parts of dairy like your uh, standard milk, I think. Right. So no. um, it's it's kind of safe, I guess, in those areas. But, uh, you know, it's, it's funny talking with my wife, who does, admittedly, most of the uh, grocery shopping in the Claggett household. Uh, she does say that even when it comes to dairy, uh, dairy continues to go sky high. It's going up even more. And the grocery budget has just been, uh, well, it's more than 10% for an increase year over year, at least, uh, you know, here in uh, in Vancouver. Um, is that what you're seeing or is 10% realistic? Uh, are there some areas that are being hit harder than others regionally? Yeah, well, I looked at the um, uh, I looked at the CPI data, consumer price index data, uh, just yesterday. Uh, overall, groceries uh, bought in stores uh, on average up about twelve percent uh, over the last twelve months. So that's a big hit. There's no doubt about that. Um, some items have actually gone up a little bit less. Um, meat, fresh meat, uh, is one of the more expensive ones since the upsurge in. Uh, uh, in inflation uh, after the after the COVID pandemic, after the worst of the lockdowns that we've experienced, um, so uh, and there's no doubt uh, your your household and millions of households are having a hard time because remember you've got the grocery bill, then you've got the price to fill up with gas, uh, then you've got now higher interest costs for anyone who's got a mortgage. You've seen the the Bank of Canada pushing up their uh, interest rate dramatically, supposedly to combat inflation. But the reality is it absolutely squeezes households even more if you've got uh, a variable rate and it was time to renegotiate. So uh, it's no wonder consumers uh, are feeling under pressure. They're getting squeezed from all sides. Well, very few people are getting a 10 to 12 percent uh, pay increase year over year. <laughs> we wish. <laughs> That'd be beautiful. I, I, I've, uh, yeah, I exactly. think the Loblaws CEO did, though. You know, some of them up the That's the level where it might happen. to protect themselves. Absolutely. Um, but when it comes to uh, expecting what 
maybe going forward, what are we thinking? What is the current wisdom when it comes to uh, overall food prices between now and uh, this January 31st, uh, which is the date Loblaws talks about in terms of uh, when they're doing this or when they promise to uh, keep the lock in place? Uh, what do we? What do you expect in that time? Uh, we're going to get another inflation reading uh, tomorrow, actually, uh, from Statistics Canada. And, and we have seen a bit of a slowdown in what they call the headline inflation, the overall inflation rate. It's fallen in the last couple of months from 8% year over year to about 7%. And uh, it may fall a little bit further tomorrow. It's hard to tell. Uh, gasoline prices have been the most uh, volatile and the biggest single contributor to that inflation rate. And uh, we had inf- we had gasoline prices come down for a while, but as you know, in Vancouver, they've gone up a lot in the last uh, in the last month. So um, we we will see that number tomorrow. Most people think that the inflation rate is going to come down quite a bit over the next year. Uh, some of that's for good reasons. You know, the, these supply chain disruptions and transportation costs uh, that I mentioned uh, earlier are uh, are getting uh, resolved in many parts of the world, um, and that will uh, that will feed through. And then, of course, for the bad reasons, we've got this big run-up in interest rates that is really going to be a kind of like an ice ice bucket thrown over the whole economy. Uh, high interest rates make it hard for mortgage holders, for credit cards, for business investment. So uh, we're seeing lots of signs of a potential uh, downturn. Actually, it could be that we'll be in, into a recession within the next year, which would be terrible on top of everything else we've been through. Uh, but one thing about recessions is they generally result in lower uh, inflation. It's not the best way to get lower inflation, but um, because of that, most people's expectations are we'll see inflation coming down. And as Bruce Claggett in for Mike Smith, we've been talking about grocery prices, inflation. And do you think you're being gouged by your grocer? Will you shop at Loblaws because of this price freeze for their no-name brands announced yesterday? Taking your call, 604-280-9898. Our guest is Jim Stanford, economist for Center for Future Work. Uh, let's get right to some of these phone calls. Uh, Dave in White Rock, what do you think? Uh, are you being gouged? Uh, what about this inflation? Uh, I think we're being gouged by the government, um, trying to um, inflate interest rates out of a recession or out of uh, inflation. Um, real inflation is still, you know, our real interest rates are still in negative. Um, we buy all our commodities in U.S. funds. Um, the U.S. dollar is super strong right now, so they're exporting inflation all over the world. Um, so the central banks have this old idea that they have to have 2% inflation, um, which I think they're going to have to change their minds on because I don't think they'll get down to 2% inflation and trying to raise interest rates to fight inflation to get it down for 2%. Um, a recession is inevitable, plus the service on the debt so they're just they're just piling debt on top of debt so i i don't see how central banks being smart people really are doing stupid things right now okay thanks dave for the call uh let's connect the dots if there are dots to be connected here um jim stanford uh what do you make of that is there any uh connection here between uh what's happening with uh with interest rates and uh and what dave uh, is seeing 
Yeah, oh, for sure. Dave is right to raise concerns about how the Bank of Canada is responding uh, to this. The, the bank story uh, kind of comes out of a, an old economics textbook, really. Something that was written maybe in the 1970s or the 1980s. The idea that inflation is resulting from uh, wages being too high and the labor market being overheated. This is what we're hearing. It's almost like we're paying more at the grocery store because we've got too much money to spend, is the underlying assumption. And I don't think that will wash with most consumers. You know, that isn't that isn't really why we're paying more at the grocery store. We're paying more at the grocery store because we have to eat, and the companies have have raised the prices. But despite that, the bank is determined to get the uh, inflation rate back down to 2%. And going from 7 or 8% to 2% is a long way to go, and it probably will involve a, a recession. And most uh, economists are, are predicting one now. So uh, in a way, I think that's a cure for inflation that's worse than the disease, frankly. It's hard enough to meet your... Uh, budget now in a household if you lose your job obviously uh it's going to be that much uh that much worse so uh, i'm very concerned about the the kind of one-sided storyline we're hearing from the bank of canada on this problem well and thanks dave for bringing it up uh it's not a matter of if they're in that response uh it is a definite connection there are dots to be connected barbara in cloverdale how are you feeling about all this a little bit overwhelming or are you okay i'm i'm okay at the end of the day, but my grocery bill is definitely a lot higher. Um, I'm, I'm industrious, though. Um, but with respect to the Loblaws um, freezing prices on their yellow label, what about the 11 other labels they have? The P- PC Free From, PC Blue Menu, PC Black Label. Um, they, there's a ton of labels they have. They were truly interested in helping us out at their stores when they're still making a really big profit, they could freeze pricing on lots of their labels. Barbara, I don't know if they got that granular in uh, in some of the details uh, outside of saying 1,500 items. Uh, Jim, did you hear anything more about that? I think Barbara's right, actually, uh, Bruce. I think that it is tailored at that yellow, uh, no-name range of products, and there's a lot of them, of course. Uh, When you go to the grocery store, you see them, and there are a whole range of other things that, first of all, Loblaws puts their own brand on, President's Choice and so on. But there's also everything else they sell in the store. Um, Loblaws does not make those no-name products. They're still dealing with suppliers. So, you know, Loblaws tried to pitch this yesterday, saying this is the one brand that we can control because it's our brand. And that's nonsense. They don't they don't make the the, the cereal and the other uh, you know the other staples that show up in that yellow label. They buy them from suppliers just like they buy everything else on their shelves from suppliers. And uh, I think again another kind of inadvertent, unintended consequence of this PR move by Loblaws yesterday is it it did confirm that Loblaws has leeway in setting prices, not just on no name products, but on everything in their store. That's and that interesting. Goes against what what they've been saying for the last few months. Yeah, that is uh, an interesting confirmation and uh, maybe not calculated into the move. Uh, Thanks for the phone call there, Barbara. Uh, AJ and Langley, uh, what do you think? Hi, how are you? Good, good. Good. Uh, I just was at my wife's place yesterday in Maple Ridge, and uh, I live in Langley. So she has a no frills and I have a no frills just where we live, right? In the general area. Now, I don't know if they're still doing the surveys on what the public basically makes and then they adjust the cost to that. I'm not sure. All I know is that I, uh, there's a coffee brand, PCE coffee, hundred, 
100 pods for usually twenty nine ninety eight. AJ, I hate to cut you short, but I think I know where you're going with this, and it's a good point. Do we see these differences based on the affluence of different neighborhoods? Uh, what do you think, Jim? Oh, certainly. They uh, again, this affirms that the supermarkets have active pricing strategies. They aren't just you know a sort of passive middleman in the in the whole supply chain who, who get told what they have to charge by their own suppliers. They have active leverage over what prices they charge on what products in what markets. And uh, and there's no doubt that they their profits have increased. They are not the worst culprits in the current inflation that we see. I, I would suggest the energy companies are making a heck of a lot more money even than the supermarkets. But uh, it is a visible manifestation of a problem. That is, uh, we've got all this uncertainty out there, and companies are taking advantage of it to charge whatever the market will bear. Thanks and, so much. Uh, uh, no, is, and I appreciate yeah. that, Jim. We're caught for time, but uh, some great calls in there. And thank you, AJ, for your call from Langley. That's Jim Stanford, Economist uh, Center for Future Work. Thanks, Jim, as usual, and uh, hope to talk to you again. Thank you, Bruce. Bruce Claggett in for Mike Smith. Last hour, we were talking about the cost of groceries going up between 10 and 12 percent in B.C. uh, and across Canada. Those are the official numbers. I think they're a lot higher in many areas, including my own neighborhood, where, uh, yeah, in the Claggett household, I know the grocery bill has gone up by, well, I'd say it's probably closer to 20 or 25 percent. But those are the official numbers, 10 to 12 percent across Canada. And it's just one part of inflation. Many of us are extremely worried about what's happening in terms of prices. This as we see a fluctuation at the gas pump and a whole bunch of other factors uh, that affect our everyday budget. And there is this. A new Yahoo Canada Maru public opinion survey that backs up some of our fears. And it finds that 53% of Canadians are in fact worried because inflation is causing some serious money issues for them. And they're joined by just over another 13% who admit that they feel genuinely panicked. Panicked as inflation is causing them to drastically change their lifestyle and make some big, you know, trade-offs. Wow, that's a lot. Combined, that's uh, like 65, 66%. Well, let's break down uh, some of the causes of this with John Wright, who is Executive VP of Maru Public Opinion. Uh, Thanks so much, John, for joining us. Uh, That's quite alarming, isn't it, Uh, when you take a look at those numbers that you have out? Yeah, It is, um, particularly since we've been tracking it, and if you see when all of this started, it was back in June when a good number of people started to prioritize their spending, and it's gone up like a hockey stick since that time in terms of how many people are worried about it because we've obviously had interest rates that, uh, you know, have have squeezed a lot of people. But beginning in June, we saw, you know, 50 Three percent of people starting to tell, uh, tighten their belts. Now we're up to two thirds of the public, and the two top things out of the entire list of commodities and services that we track, which mirror the CPI, the Consumer Price Index, is food. Uh, number one is food from restaurants that people have cut out of their diet, so to speak. But it's also groceries. Those are the top two, followed in by entertainment, clothing, footwear, recreation, and then gasoline. 
So people are more and more people are on a budget, as you just heard in the newscast talking about watching their pennies going into Christmas. It's uh, it's across the board. There's there's very few people who are not touched by either interest rates or inflation. It's interesting, and you list off some of the big ones there. And I'm looking at the details uh, in the public opinion poll here, and uh, I'm finding it fascinating that, that even though. 66% are really worried. So that's like uh, two-thirds are uh, are, are ver- uh, worried or very worried. Um, when it comes to things like home entertainment, uh, the use of their vehicle, or general household operations, there isn't much fluctuation, is there? No, there was in June. And there's a, a really interesting trend that's happened, and that is that as more people join in this tel- uh, belt tightening, um, it's like putting water in wine. Um, you, you get people right off the bat who are moving to cut so many things all at once, and, and therefore it looks really high. As you add more people to the list, they're cutting back in some areas, but not in all areas, or they're a little more soft in certain things than they are in others, and then you do it again. So the tracking, in fact, shows that more and more people are tightening their belts and cutting back in things. But overall, the commodities and services that are being impacted – are showing less and less. And that really just has to do with the timing as to when people have started to do what they're doing. So if you were to read into this, and uh, we mentioned uh, eating out, and I imagine that's also delivery services, that's going to be one way to tighten the belt. But uh, what are some of the other areas uh, where you expect to see some reduced spending, according to the numbers? Well, the critical thing is, you know, when you look at people about disposable income. So that is the first thing that's being affected here, where they're cutting out things like ordering food in restaurants. Not everybody. I mean, there's, you know, roughly 35 percent of people who are still going about doing all of that. The groceries, though, is a real concern. And we know that from, you know, the inflation numbers and also from the reports from the large grocery uh, companies that are, know getting pretty big uh, amounts of uh, profit nowadays but we also know that their prices have stacked up and from our own polling we're finding people who are looking even at those you know you go into the meat counter and you see you know like buy tonight 10 percent off or buy tomorrow and take 20 percent off or something that's the habit that's now happening inside the store so I think what would be concerning is not so much the recreation education things or the gasoline which we have no Uh, control over but when you look at clothing and footwear home entertainment um, health and personal care products and in things around the purchasing decision making of consumers then you're really then having an impact on retail business and once the retail slows down then you start to see sales um, where they're trying to put cash flow into the bank uh, because they've got their inventory they have to, to take care of. And then if they're not making that, that's when the layoffs start because it's an overhead issue. So that's what I'm watching. We're looking at small businesses and others who are hopefully going to be weathering you know, around a recession, not going through it. But I don't think we're seeing a wholesale sell out at the moment in order to get cash flow but that would be the first thing that would be a signal um, that a recession is actually hitting us that's what you're watching and certainly there's reason to watch that um i'm not seeing it in the numbers here but uh do you expect that canadians are also fearing 
the possibility of what this means in terms of uh, job losses and layoffs. And I guess that would be part of a recession that we hear coming up. Is that reflected in these numbers? It's reflected in other numbers. Um, you know, the, the, the sense that you not only would lose your job, I mean, is, is palpable amongst one in 10 Canadians. But what's interesting is, and we've, we've never really seen this, is that you, you also have a large swath of people that say, well, look, if I lose my job, there's lots of others out there, and it'd be relatively easy to get another job. So we're dealing with what's called, I guess, stagflation, where we're having a constant um, inflation rate that the Bank of Canada is trying to bring down with higher interest rates. But we're also fine in terms of getting a job or making sure that we have income in order to cover off that spread. It's something I haven't seen, and I've been covering polling in this area since 19, around 1990, uh, having lived through 1981 when, in fact, there was a, a recession, and then 1991-92 when I was polling on this. It, it, this is really weird because it's, you've got high inflation, you've got interest rates now popping up, but you've also got people not really fearing for job loss because they see that there's lots of jobs available. So I, I think it's the same in the United States where there are mixed signals because of all of this. And the question will be whether or not the spread that the Bank of Canada is trying to hike, which they will very shortly, three three quarters of a basis point, whether that's going to you know cause the tripwire. I think that's what people are watching. But otherwise, I don't think people right now sense that they're you know, going to be out of work, they might see it on the horizon. But with unemployment the way it is and lots of jobs plentiful, they may be rightly or wrongly thinking they can get another job somewhere else pretty easily. John, uh, weird indeed. Uh, and lots of mixed messages, as you point out. You're a numbers guy. You look at all of the numbers. Uh, I would love to find, because most of this to me is rather frightening. But uh, if I wanted to find any optimism in any of the numbers uh, that are out there,